Hello, everybody. Welcome to the CC Delco podcast. My name is Taylor, and this is a bi-weekly podcast where we aim to go deeper than we can on a Sunday morning on a wide variety of topics. Today's episode is taken from our Fridays with Pastor Bob archives. If you didn't know, Pastor Bob used to be on the radio, and he's got Leah Dixon, uh, one of his former employees, interviewing him about work. This is an always relevant, always important, always meaningful conversation for a lot of us in this season. So sit back, listen up, and be blessed. Um, Pastor Bob, today we're going to be talking about work, and um, we know that the Bible has everything to say about how we should live this life and and how we're to be. Um, and work is a huge part of that. It's actually a big part of our identity, especially in the American culture. What are your initial thoughts as we think about this topic? Well, the Bible's a very unique book. Obviously, it gives us the revelation of who God is, um, who we are in relation to that. It opens up for us um, the spiritual world, in, in many aspects, we get great theology from it. Paul said we, we look through a glass dimly now, so God has given us just enough revelation to live by. So many of us love to listen to theology and talk about justification and salvation, a lot of those great things. The Bible is also a very practical book mm-hmm. because God gave us laws to live by. He knew we'd have to love him and love one another. And a theology of work runs all the way through the Bible, and it's and it's and it's counter to almost everything you would see in uh, society now and in the past. So, um, you look at the situation in Egypt. Pharaoh, out of fear, enslaved the Egyptians. He got free labor um, to build his treasure cities and so forth. Uh, in the ancient world, Rome, Greece, uh, many of those nations would go to war with one another because the idea was that you would have to pilfer another country, and that's how wealth was created. But the Bible comes along and has something very unique, and that is that God has given us the power to create wealth, hmm. that we were made in the image of God, and if you go all the way back to Adam, that um, we would be fruitful and have dominion over the earth. So God gave Adam the resources to make something of the world. That's the one thing I want to get across today, to make something of the world. Hmm. So every human being has these raw ingredients to make something of the world. When we're not making something of the world, we're bored and it leads to you know, the proverbial devil's workshop, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing about the Bible uh, unlike ancient civilizations, even today, is very egalitarian. Um, it, it was the average guy who can sit under his vine and his fig tree. Uh, America, this middle class, came from a Protestant work ethic. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a great theology of work, but it centers around this idea of purpose. Hmm. We don't work because we need to fill time. Uh, work is a way where we find our purpose in life. So for all those examples you just stated, what would be the one foundational scripture that we could focus on? Well, the foundational scripture I'm going to use is from the New Testament. It's Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, do your work heartily as to the Lord rather than for men, knowing that it's from the Lord you'll receive the reward of your inheritance. And it's actually Christ whom you serve. I love that because it gives us a, a framework within the New Testament and within Christianity, 
there's no doubt that the place where we find the overwhelming theology of work is from the book of Proverbs. Mm. Um, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote to us about wisdom. The Hebrew word wisdom means, you know, to find the skill in living. There is a skill in living life. And uh, all the way through the book of Proverbs, uh, Solomon talks about the sluggard, and they come in all shapes and sizes, and the industrious man. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34, he said, I passed by the field of the sluggard, the vineyard of the man lacking sense, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with thorns, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I reflected upon it, and I looked and received instruction. So here's Solomon, you know, taking a break from, you know, the courts of Israel, and he takes a walk, and he sees what many of us see, urban blight, uh, an overgrown field. And Solomon says he looked, and he received instruction. The field preached to him. And then he writes the famous words we all know, uh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, surely your poverty will come on you as a, robber, uh, as a robber or an armed man. Solomon looked at that field and he said someone was negligent. Someone had the natural resources to make something of that field, but somehow through neglect, being a sluggard, being lazy, uh, they had passed it by and had become an idle man. So... Um, yeah, Proverbs probably gives us the greatest theology of work th- than anything in the Bible. Mm. So that's that's great if work is going well and if you love what you do. But I know for so many listeners, you know, their nine to five isn't their favorite part of the day. In fact, it might be um, a burden. Maybe they feel undervalued. How how does the Bible speak to that? Let's think about what you just said because it's you brought something up very important. We're going to spend eight hours a day at work. That's a third of our life. Mm. You know, that's a big chunk. So why not do what you like? Yeah. So the easiest thing is find what you like and get paid for it. Now that's easy for me to say, right? But let's look at my life. So, um, Malcolm Gladwell is great. One of my favorite authors. He writes in the book, David and Goliath, that people that are really good at what they do have spent 10,000 hours in practice. Mm. So I would have fallen in that category for basketball. Basketball was my major passion. You could have not convinced me I wouldn't be an NBA player. And uh, it got me through high school. It got me through college. But while I was doing that, my dad was a landscaper and I cut grass. I valley parked. I delivered pizza. I was doing them because... The Bible is very clear. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the first thing. Work not only gives us purpose, but it, that's how we provide for ourselves. Yeah. I think in the church, we spend too much time talking about giving, not enough about earning. We need to earn money. So then when I realized basketball won't be my profession, I got a job at a major corporation. I was there for 12 years. I was misplaced. I wasn't on the right seat on the bus. Mm. I also was trying not to get ahead. I was doing my work for what I was getting paid, but I knew ministry was my calling. So I was gaining the 10,000 hours teaching Bible studies, doing youth ministry, because one day I knew I would do this. So ministry didn't drop in my lap, and jobs don't drop in your lap. You are working towards it. So I would say for the person who's in a job they don't like, you can go to school pursue another job. Um, 
You know, sometimes the things we like to do, like for me, basketball, for somebody, music, journalism, we may never get paid for those things because they're avocations. Mm. That's great. But I would say, you know, wake up and say, okay, I'm not crazy about this, but it does give me money. Yeah. Um, and I can provide, and that's purpose. But I think people are going to do two or three things before they find out what they like. Mm -hmm. I also tell people in their 20s, you're probably gaining the skills in your 20s necessary for what you're going to do the rest of your life. You're gaining those 10,000 hours. Mm. So again, if you're working for Christ and he's your boss, I think you can overcome difficult circumstances. Yeah. Now, what about... You touched on this. I mean, there's some options. You can go to school. You can pursue something different. What about someone who's listening? Maybe they're driving in their car right now and they feel stuck. You know, I'm thinking about maybe the single parent, someone who just feels like they don't have an option. What about contentment as a factor in all this? Well, contentment is is the key to life, right? Again, I gave that scripture because if we're working for the Lord... He's going to notice what we do. Yeah. I read a story one time of a man who was unemployed and he kept looking for jobs. And while he was looking for jobs, he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go out on the freeway because I see all this trash. and I'm just going to pick up litter. If God is my boss, then he'll pay me. Mm. And that guy, you know, somebody found him doing that and they hired him. Friends of mine, and I would do it too. Now, we're in a Christian organization. It's a little difficult. But, but great friends of mine who run great companies have hired people at malls who they saw in their job in the mall doing exemplary work and said, how would you like to work for me? So if God is your boss, he'll promote you. Yeah. And and you got to hang your hat on that. Yeah. Now, what about the person who work is their identity? They live to go to work, maybe they're overworking, maybe other areas of life are neglected. Um, how does the Bible speak to that situation? Well, Proverbs 23 is very clear. Do not overwork to be rich mm. um, because money makes itself wings and like an eagle, it flies away. Um, yeah, the flip side of the sluggard is the person who loves their job. Yeah. But finds themselves out of balance for a few reasons. They're trying to climb a corporate ladder or they want to get a house down the shore or they're trying to make money. We have to be diligent in our work, but in some ways, God's called us to do several things. So I was called to pastor this church, but I'm also called to raise a family. Mm -hmm. And I had to find the balance in that. Now, maybe somebody out there is building a company. You're going to put a lot of hours in early. Hopefully the payoff comes late. But you got to find a balance there. You, you know, I, I always like to say this. I think most people who are in their sweet spot will tell you that money is the overflow. It, it, it's just the added factor. Hmm. No one really did it for money. They did it because they love what they were doing. They love the challenge, and then money just becomes the fruit of it. Money's never going to make you happy. Um, you can have all the money in the end, but if you didn't spend time doing other things it's not going to be worth it uh, the other thing is i mean it's it's been proved out people that work overtime think oh my gosh i'm gonna have all this money only to find out they have nothing to show for it in the end because yeah. they spent more hmm. one of my favorite quotes is you know spending will rise to income unless you protest to the contrary hmm. so yeah there's there's 
the sluggard who's detestable, but then there's the person who's overworked. And you're right, busyness in our culture is a badge of honor. And um, again, God's not Pharaoh. He's given you a day of rest, a day of recalibration. Uh, he told Israel to let the land lie fallow in the seventh year because there has to be that trust factor. Yeah. Pastor Bob, let's stay with this topic for for a minute. I'm a little leery always of the word balance because I, I like the idea, but I'm not really sure what that looks like with work, family, friends. You know, what rises to the top? You know, how should life be structured? Well, I can only put it in the context of ministry right now because that's where I live. Yeah. And I remember Warren Wearsby saying, that when a pastor's at home, he's building the church because the Bible says you have to be the husband of one wife, raising your children. And then when I'm at church, I'm building my family because I'm building a place for them to thrive, which Mm. has come true in my life. So um, the challenges I face, however, are no different from an accountant. People will say, well, how do you balance ministry and family? How do you, well, how does an accountant do it, right? Mm. The challenge is the same. And I think the challenge is, okay, th- this is where I make money. I've got to put excellence here. And so, you know, if you have a spouse, you've got to divide those responsibilities and child-rearing responsibilities. Sometimes kids will come to the forefront. They mm-hmm. need a ton of attention. So something else has to go down a little bit. Life choices have to be made. Price tags have to be switched at times. Mm-hmm. There is no fundamental easy way of doing it. What I always suggest is read and talk to people who were 10 years ahead of you. Yeah. What did they do? What did they do right? What did they do wrong? And then you got to f- find out what works for you. Uh, what worked for Jack Welch might not work for me. Uh, I might have more capacity. He might have more capacity. She might be smarter than I am. So at the end of the day, you've got you to learn from Scripture. You've got to learn from trusted advisors. The Holy Spirit's got to lead you. Mm. Uh, but it's not as cut and dried as some of these books make it out to be and these cliche Christian teachings. You know, yeah. it's a little more messy than that. Yeah. So we have a couple different dynamics going on. There's the employee side of this, and then there's the supervisor employer point of view. Um, Pastor Bob, you manage, you know, 20 plus people. What are you looking for uh, when you're hiring? You know, what are you looking for in the way that you want to see a staff function? What's health to you? Yeah, you hit on a really good nerve because... It's easy to be the employee. That's my mm. theory now. Uh, you don't really carry a lot of risk yeah. and you go home. Um, and you have all these theories on the way things should be run. <laughs> um, uh, there's young kids in our church who work for some of our contracts and they complain the way they're treated and all. And I always tell them, well, the day where it's on your dime, the whole, your whole paradigm will switch. Yeah. Um, when you begin to hire people, it's complicated because statistics tell us the average person you hire is a $500,000 investment. Mm. And the reason you're hiring them is because there's more work to be done than you can do. Right. And you need a return on investment. From everything I've ever read and everything I've learned in 30 years, everything can be boiled down 
to you are trying to hire A players. Mm -hmm. You really are. Uh, A players come down to three C's. They need to have character. They need to have competency. And they need to have chemistry. Mm. Characters at the top of the list because someone might have great skill but if they're going to steal from you, and stealing from you could be taking long lunch time and taking your tools, etc., uh, that's not going to work out. They're they're going to um, a malingerer is going to poison the staff. Mm-hmm. John Maxwell and his twenty one irrefutable laws of leadership has the law of the bad apple, and everybody tries to tolerate a bad apple, but we know that one apple spoils the whole bunch. So, yeah. so characters at the top of the list. We don't even have to go to the Bible for this. I mean, the Bible's full of this, right? Um, you know, Ananias and Sapphira. We know mm-hmm. what happened to them. Um, Samson. We can go down the list of character must be supreme. And in the church, we can never choose talent over virtue, although we are tempted to do it. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, talent over virtue, though we're tempted all the time. Yeah. But let's not overlook competency. Again, we're hiring people because we have a need. Uh, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He'll stand before kings. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about sharpening the axe, your skills. So uh, I think if we're trying to make something of this world, if we're, if we're finding purpose, we should always be getting better at what we do. We should mm-hmm. be going to conferences. We should be reading. We should, you know, if you're a musician, you take lessons. Uh, if you're in the IT world, you're learning more more programs. So we should always be uh, enhancing our skill. And I think a person whose skill will always find an open door. Yeah. So, you know, those three C's kind of, you know, you could, you could put diligence and hard work and people that are on time. But if people have character, competency, and then, and then you have to have chemistry with someone. Sometimes mm-hmm. they have the first two and you just don't hit it off with them. You know, God will have another place for them. Um, but I think as an employer, we are looking to put people in their sweet spot, their area of giftedness, and we're looking for a return on investment. Yeah. As we were talking about that, I was I kept thinking about the word responsibility. I think there's a different, uh, probably a different weight of that depending on what you oversee um, and probably even a different level of of guilt, to be honest, you know, what's the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? You know, how do we function in this organization? Can you talk a little bit about that, about some of those emotions that are under the surface in the midst of all this? Yeah, I think the word weight is key because the way I look at employees, and it doesn't have to be in a church because I know a lot of businessmen that look at this, you really look at them as family. Yeah. And uh, you will be tempted to look at them as cogs in a wheel because you are trying to get something accomplished. But at the end of the day, these are real people raising their kids, trying to send them to college. And I think every leader, manager is really trying to accomplish something and also looking at people as real people. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Um, And um, I think when you do that, employees respond better. Yeah. So you're right. There is a lot of weight there. Um. There's also a lot of weight because sometimes we have downturns in the economy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to let really good people go. Um, Sometimes you have to let non-performers go. 
Uh, look at my case. I, I was in a corporation for 12 years where I was misplaced. Mm. Now, I did my best to do well and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I was really misplaced. Um, and me leaving was the best thing that ever happened to me. So sometimes letting go a misplaced person is good because they'll find their place somewhere else. Yeah. And that's really hard. Um, so more and more, we're trying to have candor in our organization. We're mm-hmm. trying to tell people, we, we think you're not going to make it. We think you will make it mm-hmm. because we really want someone, no, no one wants to come into a place of employment, wondering if they're really doing well, wondering right. if they're really achieving. Um, but you're right from an employer perspective, it's very difficult. Sure. And then we, we touched on this in the beginning, but that sense of identity could probably either be a healthy thing or an unhealthy way to think about work. What are your thoughts on that? That's why I go back to Colossians. Your work is under the Lord. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that that's, you know, I might write you a letter. I might congratulate you. I'm probably never going to affirm you the way you want, but God will. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key. Yeah. Um, God's affirmation that you can go home at the end of the day and say, well, I put my all into this. Mm-hmm. Like the aunt who has no overseer. You know, I did this under the Lord. I made this widget. I preached this message. I wrote this piece of music because God gave me gifts and somebody gave me a paycheck and I did it unto him. I can't think off the top of my head of anything worse right now than a Christian who would go to a place of work with an attitude, with an attitude of an entitlement. Hmm. And that's what we have in America, entitlement. I I deserve this, I deserve a middle-class lifestyle, I deserve this, and I'm gonna give half effort because I'm not getting paid much. Um, then you're not looking at Jesus as your boss, hmm. and you got all your priorities messed up. So um, I think Christians should be the best workers, I think they should be the best employers. Again, we're imperfect people. We're not going to get it right. Jesus told a parable. It's one of my favorite, the parable of the workers. He hired men at 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock, and he gave them all the same wage. Hmm. And, of course, the ones at 3 o'clock said, well, wait a second. You you know, the ones at 9 o'clock said, well, wait a second. You hired that guy at 3 o'clock. He worked one hour, but you gave him the same wage. And Jesus said, well, just worry about you yeah we look at the world of sports this is rampant right well this running back makes this and this quarterback makes that the surefire way to screw up in life is to look at other people Mm. keep your eyes on the lord if you think you're being treated unfair go get another job Mm. (laughs) you know it's america yeah and I, i think god will god will do well by you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we talk about this right now, I'm fully aware there are people listening who are just thriving and enjoying every second of what they do. And there are people who are struggling. Um, as we close out today, Pastor Bob, what would be your final words uh, for our listeners? Well, the Bible says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Again, I, I think some people lack skill. You know, maybe they weren't in the workforce for a long time and now they are and they think, again, they're going to live a upper middle class lifestyle mm. and don't have skill. Yeah. So I think I think you got to talk to somebody and say, give me feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I have X, Y and Z talent. Do you see blind spots in me? Do, do, do you see something lacking? And then, you know, sometimes you have to realize 
the gifts God gave you and your abilities, and and there is a law of the lid. People have lids. You only may make this amount in this culture. You yeah. may only do this. But guess what? You may provide for your families. Your kids go to college, and maybe they'll do something amazing. Um, self-actualization is very yeah. important. Great. Listen, we're out of time. Uh, Pastor Bob, thanks for your time today. And uh, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, head to ccdelco.com to stay up to date with all of our sermons, our resources, all the events that are going on at Calvary Chapel of Delaware County. We'll see you at our next episode and we pray that you're blessed this week.